This show is a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Get more at nerdylegion.com. Enjoy the show. And we go back to the party cast format. I mean, everybody's <laughs> just jumping right at what Martin's not on. Let's get on this podcast. This is awesome. All right, so who do we have here? We got a lot of people. We weren't really planning on having anybody but me and Jay, and then everybody else was like, hey, I want to join too. So we got uh, Jack Sutherland with us yes, of uh, the, the Ultimate Marvel Podcast fame. Of the uh, Aftershock Central podcast. And now uh, I've reached the pinnacle getting on Valiant Central. Right? Yeah, I realized it was always kind of odd because uh, everybody before you, with the exception of, of my cousin, who I knew personally, uh, but everybody else did a podcast with us before they did their own podcast. Uh, even uh, Ronnie and, and he who shall not be named uh, did the wrestling podcast with us their first episode because they were they were both nervous to do it so i realized like it's it's weird like i don't feel the same connection with jack yet that's because we never did a podcast we just don't we just don't click at all we have nothing in common not music (laughs) not comics nothing nothing not uh not wasting way too much time mocking people on slack right (coughs) cough garrett um (laughs) well it's great to finally have you on here to finally do a podcast with you to finally talk to you uh, it's nice to get you on a podcast that actually comes out once a week too. Oh. That's pretty cool. So. Oh, low, low blow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not my fault. Okay, man. And then we have uh, we have Jay Loving joining us. Jay is uh, one of my new regular cohorts, even though he's only been on once so far on Comics in Black and White, uh, which is a biweekly podcast. So I don't feel bad, Jack. I mean, even my other podcast is only biweekly, but. Uh, that's because I am way too tired to do this many podcasts anyways. Um, so Jay is joining us. This is my second time. Is this only the second time we podcasted, Jay? Do we just do the one? Yes. Okay. It, it seems this like more because time. we're talking about like five other podcasts to do. And Jay was on Aftershock Central once. Once, yeah. Very early yes. on. You've been on every podcast once so far. Maybe I shouldn't have <laughs> you back on Comics in Black and White. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, and then we got Dwan, who uh, last time stood us up. He decided a nap was more important than uh, doing this podcast with us. But that's okay, because Martin has done that before also. How are you doing, Dwan? I'm well. Well, I had to change the battery in my car today, but I'm good. I'm here. <laughs> awesome. So, uh, yeah, so this was impromptu. Uh, we we're all coming together to talk about some Valiant comics. And the, the first Valiant comic news, have you guys heard the big news? That Valiant Central podcast now has its own fan podcast. What? Did you guys hear about this? No, yeah. I'm not. Uh, it, it used to go by OTV, only the Valiant. Uh, right. Now they changed their name to OTVCPFP, only the Valiant Central <laughs> podcast fan podcast. Uh, they had Dinesh on, and they just kept on talking about how Valiant Central is the best Valiant podcast. So that's, that that's pretty impressive, I think. We're the first Valiant podcast to get a Valiant podcast podcasting about us. Well, so everybody listened to... Uh, I actually had Jay look up the number for me because uh, I'm tired. It was uh, episode 214 of Only the Valiant, which came out recently. Uh, we're joking. They they obviously are, are not just our fan podcast, but they uh, they had Dinesh and uh, possibly other people, I'm not sure, yeah. on at WonderCon recently, right? That's pretty big time. Yeah. Pretty awesome. I uh, I haven't listened to it yet. I, I've been meaning to, but did I'm they, a one podcast guy. Now, did they trash Faith while the Dash was on? Oh, oh, they, they had a lot of uh, high marks for Faith. 
They talked a lot about hardcovers, too. A lot about, I guess that was a running joke in the episodes, hardcovers. Mm. There's there's a lot of, of uh, interest in the hardcovers since they started uh, running out of print. This is, uh, uh, what is this? What are we doing here? This is Valiant Central Podcast, episode 119, also known as uh, episode uh, 215, since, you know, only the Valiant basically just passed the torch to us in their last episode. <laughs> I figure we're just picking up from that numbering. Uh, we figured we would talk a little bit about um, Divinity 3. That just wrapped up. Uh, normally, we don't focus a whole lot on talking about books, but we're kind of in the middle of some news. Uh, we just last week released some of the panels from the last... Uh, what the hell? Comic-Con. What Comic-Con was that? The SC? One you, South Carolina? Yeah. What? No. Yeah. Thank you. I am really tired, guys. I am going to be South Carolina was before that. Yeah, South Carolina was a couple weeks ago. Yeah, 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 Martin there, but I don't remember when. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the good news is now you can listen to the panels on our podcast. That way, you can remember what you already heard. Oh, right. Uh, So we just figured we'd talk a little bit about what was most interesting to us. And Jay and I said that of the stuff that's been coming out recently, Divinity Three kind of, you know was a good pop for both of us. What do you, Jack, uh, Dewan, what did you guys think of Divinity 3? Compared to Divinity 1 and 2? Or just in general? Or compared to what else I had to read the last month or so? I, I will say I, I enjoyed it. I don't, it's, it's, um, it's rare that uh, Matt Kent writes something that I don't enjoy. Um, but I don't think it, it, it didn't stand out to me the way Divinity 1 does. That was sort of like a top shelf book for me. And the, ne- the 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 arts since and this event haven't really lived up to it personally for me. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, Divinity one, it was it was the new, it was the unknown, and I, you just you can't uh, redo that. You can't do that again. So no matter what comes afterwards, you're not going to get the same thing again. Right. I think uh, Divinity two had a little bit more of that than this because it was exploring more of an unknown with Mishka. We assumed she was dead. You know, obviously, till they teased that she wasn't. And Divinity Three was kind of bringing those two worlds together and craziness happening. So it was more yeah. of a, we already know what's going on here, but let's take the story into into Crazy Town here. Uh, Jay, what did you think of Divinity Three? Well, I enjoyed it. I said I've gone on record saying it's like, Divinity is one of my favorite characters that, of the new characters that Valiant's come out with in the past few years. I just I like the way he he writes this these stories. I'm more so than a lot of people. I like the limited series, mini series, even though this one's kind of starting to go on into building on top of each other. But I really enjoyed it. I, yeah, I've I been enjoying of, the limited series too. I see what you you and Jack are saying about you know maybe the impact has worn off a little bit. I've got some you know ideas of why that might be, at least for me. And, you know, we can talk about it at some point. I mean, yeah, this, yeah, we'll get to that. And uh, and Duan, just real quick, Duan, what's yeah. your kind of overlying thoughts of Divinity Three, and then we'll dive in deep here. <laughs> I think, I think it was like a closure and a setup at the same time for what the new Eternity series or arc that's going to come out. So mm-hmm. it was, it was I wouldn't say it was a, flat, a fast closure, but it, it just kind of closed up like, okay, you know, we're going to clean everything up, kind of get it back where it's supposed to be. And it's going to set up to what, what the future of Divinity is going to be as far as um, uh, Mishka and, and Casimir. Casimir yeah. is, is, is what's going to be. And I think that's the bigger story. Um, that they're going to promote in the future. So I wouldn't say it, it had the impact uh, that the beginning of Divinity 3 had, because when the, the beginning of Di- Divinity 3, you saw a lot of action, 
uh, a lot of movement in the characters and the storyline that we wanted. But I think it was a soft landing only to trampoline into what eternity is going to be. So we have to wait and see what eternity is going to be. Yeah, yeah, I thought uh, reading the fourth issue of Divinity 3, I felt like it did kind of wrap stuff up quickly. But I think that one complaint that we've heard from people about prior uh, miniseries or events, uh, Book of Death in particular comes into mind, is that the the fourth issue kind of went out with... Uh, it's not real. With, it went out with a whimper, not with a bang. I mean, like right. aside from the whole, like, oh, well, they built up this whole thing and then they basically said it didn't happen. It ended with Master Dark being turned into a tree, not with a big battle. Uh, this one, I think, like, it ended with a big bang. And... People are kind of like, Ugh, this isn't what I want. I don't know. I, I think that this was given exactly what people have been asking for in a lot of ways. And uh, it just shows you, there's always going to be people grumbling about how stuff is done. Well, what did they expect when you convert the entire uh, Valiant universe into Russia? I mean, that's not, that's not a long-term story by any means. So I wonder what, what did they actually expect? Yes, yeah, see, that's why I'm not even sure. I, I don't know what they expected. I know Martin was one of the ones who wasn't. Uh, he didn't dislike it. I haven't had a chance to talk in depth with him about it. We might have been talking about it right now if uh, you know he was on the <laughs> podcast. But uh, he he was a little a little bit cooler on it. For me, when I opened the fourth issue and they show uh, Divinity's head down uh, in the ocean, I, was it in the right. ocean? It was yep. in water, right? And yeah. it just starts regrowing him, just growing right out of his neck stem. Thought that was freaking awesome. Yeah, like that yeah. was like, oh yes, this is some cool shit. Uh, it got me excited for what was going to happen in the book. I mean, and what kind of showdown do you expect between them? You know, it's, <laughs> you could have uh, something you would expect. Uh, you you could have something you'd expect from Marvel. You know, like the the big uh, Captain America, uh, Iron Man pounding the crap out of each other in Civil War you know, bashing stuff up and stuff like that, or you could have something that's on a different level. And these beings are more powerful than anything. So they're yeah. going to fight in a different way. And I really, I liked how it was done a lot. It seems like when they, when they battle, um, it turns into more of like mental warfare than it is actual exactly. physical because they're so powerful that it's like, I mean, how, I don't know. How can you, it's not just a, a, a boxing match when the, when, when these guys go at it, it seems more like they're trying to convince each other to to give in to the other one yeah it's more like watching ali box than watching you know the average boxer box just something different that's almost the same reaction i had uh, i was struck by how similar the ending was to divinity 2 and divinity 3 you know and even though this is a fight these fight scenes abram is not really fighting he's more or less just letting them wail on him and while he's talking and reasoning Right, right. It, 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 like at the end of Divinity Two, he was telling Mishka about the uh, was the Dostoevsky novel. Mm-hmm. He's bringing that up as as a child, and essentially he talks her into submission. I mean, she just finally right. gives up and realizes. And he did the same thing with Kashmir at the end of Divinity Three. He just mm-hmm. at one point he just stops, which is I like the way they're doing that because it's not just you know okay, Divinity or Abram is going to vanquish his enemy now. He's He's this immortal, I mean, immortal, omnipotent being, but he's not using all of what he ha- could, could use. In fact, Kashmir says that at one point, I think, in one of the books. He says, you, you have all this power, and you do nothing with it. And I, I think that really tells a lot about what his character is. You know, Yeah, right. he does have all this power. He could use all of these things, but he, he doesn't. 
it doesn't exploit what he has. I'm glad that you mentioned too that Kent uh, mentioned literature at the end of the second volume because in this, in the fourth issue, they're traipsing through sci-fi literature. Yeah, uh, as they they battle each other, uh, and it's it's pretty cool to me that Kent keeps on tying this into to literature and into stuff that exists in you know in the real world, in the literature world, and not just kind of imagine you know well not imaginary stuff, but stuff in the valiant world. Can we talk about that real quick? Because yes. uh, have you read Dune? No. Dune, the you haven't read Dune. Dune is like no. It's it's a big fat sci-fi book. That's not usually yeah. what I read. No. It's like my no, I, probably my all time favorite sci fi book. Have you read it, Jay or Duan? I have read it. Yes. Yes. No, it's the classic. Um, I'm gonna have to give it a read. I'm pretty sure I have it upstairs. But in Dune, there's a planet that it's it's like a desert covered by sand, and they have these giant uh, sandworms that I mean, like like they're humongous, like they're the size of a skyscraper, and they'll just jump through the sand. Like you could be walking around out in the desert, and one will just pop out of the sand into the sky and go back in another side. He drew that, the sandworm, in Definity 4. I don't mm-hmm. know if you if you saw that. Right in the the dead center of the book, right where the crease is, yeah. there's a picture of oh, a sandworm. Oh, it's great. And he goes through other sci-fi. I can't remember. I don't have the book in front of me, but he goes through different sci-fi scenes, like from like yeah. real sci-fi works, you know? Here's why I want to bring this up is because in Ninjak, in the last issue of uh, Ninjak, I had it somewhere, he did the same thing. He drew a Dune sandworm. So I'm wondering, like, what's the deal with Dune? Is uh, Matt Kent just on a Dune kick right now? Or is it tying or is stuff together? Because Ninjak was one of the ones that remembered that that wasn't the real world. Hmm. Right. Was that oh, issue yeah, 25 did that? I read that, but I didn't notice it. I had to read the uh, the digital copy because my physical copy got damaged. So I had yeah. to read the preview copy, which... You know, yeah, sucks. it was in this this just this uh, past issue or the one. What was it last week? Yeah, last week. Yeah, I, I'm gonna get that uh, in my my hands next week, so I'll give it another read and check that out. That's pretty yeah. awesome. I didn't catch that the first time I read it. Hey guys, you know, going back to what Jay was saying, um, do you remember the Harada quote that they had in the books that the wars of the future will be fought with the mind? And it, it kind of goes back to with divinity. You know, they're, they're these they're hugely powerful creatures. It's like we saw in Divinity 2 where Miska tried to fight Abram and it was just a standstill, basically. I mean, there's no use of fighting. So, um, like Jay was saying, it's a, it's a fight, you know, it, it's a rationale or how can I be diplomatic in the sense that convince you to see the better good or how to direct your, your mind and your abilities to uh, on a better path. Right. So it, it kind of plays into what Harada was saying, that the wars of the future are going to be with the mind and not the body, because I, I don't know, at some point they're going to maximize their physical abilities. But I think what Kent's saying is, can we explore the mental capabilities of, of human nature? And I don't I don't know what possesses or what controls uh, all three of the divinity characters or whatnot, but I, I think he's really trying to play into that from what, what Jay was saying. Yeah, yeah I, I just had a thought, thanks to you, Dwan. Um so, Jack, Duan, did you guys read VH1 stuff, like Solar specifically? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have not read it. Uh, I know I was talking to Jay, and Jay, Jay didn't read the stuff back then. I don't know if you've read it since then, Jay. Have you read Solar at all? No, I have not okay. forayed into VH1 yet. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I've been there, done that, and I'm back to ride back out of it. Um, but uh, So, Solar is is like the all-powerful being. Like, he, he just, his power set is... 
beyond anybody else's. So he that's why everybody well, divinity is the the analog for solar because divinity is you know his he's just more powerful than everybody. Which I I don't really like making those comparisons directly because they're not saying hey let's make a solar for us to use because we don't want to to buy the you know the property or whatever. Um, they just made something and this is what it is. But so back in VH1 they had one solar man of the atom who was more powerful than than everything. So I mean. He was essentially a god. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we got Divinity. We got Mishka. We got Kazmir. And have you guys read uh, Bloodshot Reborn Zero? I have yet yeah. to read that. No, I yeah, haven't read yeah, it. I did. I did. I don't, uh, I don't know if this will spoil anything. Jay, put on earmuffs. <laughs> Spoilers don't bother me, so go ahead and talk. <laughs> say it. Um, so they're, they're talking. Uh, you know, Gate has – is it Gate? Is that what they call themselves now? I think it's Gate. Uh, Gate has, uh, you know, the, the Bloodshots. And has uh, Deathmate. And they're talking about Deathmate. Uh, uh, they refer to her as K first, but then they say, well, is it really K anymore? Um, they're like, well, not really, but would you rather call her Deathmate? Um, <laughs> but they said that she's so powerful that all they could really do is let her go because they've learned in the past that they don't really have the ability to control beings that are too powerful, meaning divinity. So Deathmate, K, whatever you want to call her, uh, is kind of being thrown up on that level of divinity and these other two cosmonauts. Hmm. So now suddenly in the Valiant Universe, we have four beings whose power set is beyond the like the general level of all the other beings. Now she, I think that's interesting. You think so? Because isn't Deathmate is still her power is more physical, right? Yeah, Whereas, she may not be on the level of, of divinity in the rest of them, but Gate is admitting that she is too powerful to even try to control. Right. Whereas they've controlled Exo. They've I mean they've they've even, you know, gotten Harada under control. Mm-hmm. But they're saying divinity is beyond that or not divinity, sorry, uh, Deathmate is beyond that. So maybe not on the same level, but we're we're still saying that there are more beings that are in that higher level power set so it's not just like well if they decide that they just want to change shit they're going to change shit you know does this does this undermine the other characters do you think no no i think i think the the, the death making may have something to do with her previous ability of being a geomancer you know and, and that's kind of unless you read into the legend of geomancer you really can't we really don't know what that power set is. I mean, we, yeah. we know in a sense of what a geomancer is, but how much of that is residual mm-hmm. in her, plus she's enhanced with the, the nanites. Um, that, that they, we, we're not even scratching the surface there with, with Kay. And I, I agree with Paul. I mean, with Gates saying we can't even control her, just let her go. Um, whereas with Divinity, they, the Divinity characters, they can control them mentally. They can't control her. They they just can't. So she's like a, a a live wire fuse, not live wire in the character, but she's just like some a powder cake. That's that's what I want to say, a powder cake. And, and she can blow at any time. So you really need to be sensitive to how you handle her. Can I go off on a tangent here? Because we're talking yes. about Kay. Did everyone read all of the tie-ins, the one-shot tie-ins to this? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Responding to uh, the Commander Bloodshot, where you know he's. Bloodshot's off to this western United States to take out this cell of resistors, and there's a character in there that they refer to her as magic. 
<laughs> right. And he's and he's trying to kill off everybody, and he, he's essentially killed everybody except her. And she looks at him, and he has this mental, like a flashback of them kissing. That immediately, of course, made me think of the scene in The Valiant. Right. Where Kay, you know, kisses Ray and takes the nanites out of him. And so it's, that left me like really... I wonder how they... It's weird how they choose to have some of the characters aware and then some of them totally oblivious. And then some of them are, like like you mentioned, Bloodshot is, has, has segments of, of memories, but he's not totally aware of what's going on. Whereas like, Ninjak totally figures it out. I wonder what's the thinking behind that. Isn't that Bloodshot's weakness, though? Like, his one vulnerability is... Not having love, not having companionship. Yeah. I mean, even through VHI, I mean, uh, v, uh, yeah, VHI, VH1 or whatever VHI, it was it was his family. Um, he always right. wanted to get back to his family, so I think they're just playing on that. Yeah. Um, but my question, Jay and, and Jack, was, you know, when you had Colin sitting there at the beginning of Divinity Three, and he's always clicking his pen or popping that red pill. Did that red pill or that pin have something to do with aiding him to be in reality and not in the, the, <laughs> the Vizca reality of what right. you know, Stalinverse was? You know, that never was explored. You just, I mean, they no, had never panels with the pin and him popping a pill, and they never really expounded on that. Yeah. Yeah. That's the sort of the thing for Stalinverse for me is that there's there's so much that you could do when you I mean they they've essentially just created a whole entire new universe and reinvented all the characters. I mean there's so much there's so many stories you could tell with that that it seemed like it's hard to do it justice in just four issues. They sort of had to ramp it up and then like kill it. Well plus they've introduced all those new characters. Yeah, uh, some of which are sticking around though, right? Didn't we uh Yeah, I'm sure they are, but like I say it's just they they've They've left themselves open to go in a lot of directions with it. Right. So th- my question is, are those new characters going to be in the same format once the, the, the real world comes back? You know, I mean, they, they kind of took on their their identity, it, 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 you know, from basically the Stalinverse side of things. But when, when uh, Abram puts everything back, are they going to be the same type of people? Yeah, you know, who even knows if are they were were they even alive in the real world? They could have been deceased. In, well, isn't that what uh, isn't that what he said that he didn't he he couldn't bring himself to destroy these creatures, even though they didn't exist before. He couldn't bring himself to divinity. Couldn't bring himself to destroy them, so he let them sort of exist in this new reality, and that's just set. Yeah, he did that right at the end of like the last couple pages of issue four. He said, you know that. He reset everything, but there's some elements he wouldn't reverse. Right. And one of the things he wouldn't reverse is these new characters like the, uh, you know, uh, Deathless and yeah. Red Legend. Yeah, I got it open. It's, they got the Pioneer, the Immortal, immortal Sufferer, who was like a walking skeleton. Right. <laughs> there's uh, the Red, Red Legend. Yeah. And Baba, Baba Yaga. Did I say that right? Yeah. As far as I know, that's right. Well, that bothers me because that means their total existence 
if they were deceased in the real world, that means they're they're tied to him. He's physically keeping them alive or functioning in the real world. He's right. he, he he's going against the natural order of things. Yeah, natural order of things. So depending on whatever happens to divinity or Abram in a sense it happens to them. They're tied yeah. to him. They own their own right. existence. No, and Period. that by that makes him them by every definition of the word gods because they can bring character they can bring people into existence. Right? Yeah. They can. And that's where that's why people think they're solar, you know, that like Paul was saying they they tie divinity to, or Abram and well, divinity to solar because they're yeah. godlike. Yeah, and that's why I was asking before, does that undermine some of these other characters like does it take away i mean i mean because i was always under the impression impression in, in at least in vei that exo was like the character nobody was more powerful than him uh but now these guys like sort of trump everything so with let me let me let me let me put it this way like we i've always had sort of a weird i like superman the character um, as far as DC goes, but I've always had sort of this weird feeling about him, like he's 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 too powerful to the point where it's almost ridiculous some of the struggles that he's into, right? Um, like they keep having to find, even though he's like, you know, he, he has infinitial power, they keep finding ways to to suppress him and get him in a situation where he's he's struggling and has to battle through different things. Um, which always seemed a little bit realistic to me. If you give somebody all these powers, and they should be somewhat omnipotent, right? And now I'm wondering right. if, if divinity, if they sort of created divinity in that same, uh, with those same issues. You know, Jack, what I think is, you know, it's, it's neat that they, they put three of them there. So, you know, it plays on historically as like maybe the Holy Trinity, you know. You, uh, you got interesting. Father, you know, you, you, you kind of got that Holy Trinity, but they take a road sense. Like Abram is more of maybe you're a peaceful guy. He's just like, hey, right. let me operate in my zone. Miska, we don't know what's going on with her. She's been, you know, kind of used because she, she took into Casimir and, and we don't know how this is going to play out. And, and that guy is going to be <laughs> like, the total opposite of Abram. He's going to cause a lot of... He's like the Lucifer to exactly. whatever. Exactly. He's going to cause a lot of issues. And he's going to be like... I think Ronnie and I talked about this last night. Like maybe the Thanos of the Valiant Universe to where he's just going right. to kill people and do what the hell he wants to do. And, and he's run on his own agenda. And it's very hard to stop. Yeah, yeah, very, very hard to stop. Yeah, to where the other two are going to have to get a backbone and just stop him, but can they stop him? And but everybody else, right, is, is going to deal with the fallout from their their battles, and they have. But I think that the main issue is like, who the hell is controlling them? We haven't seen that. We, you know, from Imperium, who are the this Jello Salad eyeball people? You know that that impacted Imperium. I think they have a connection into what's happening with divinity. Um, that's the big question. If I could sit down with Dinesh and Warren, I would ask them that. And I bet you they wouldn't answer that question. Because I to me that that's the key. That that's the, the big the big 
spoon that's stirring the Kool Aid. Say that again. What it? What is? You remember um, who was it? was it? Angela. Angela. Yeah. Oh. Angela. Yeah. She crossed over, and then there were the the goopy eyeball aliens or whatever yeah, solar eyes. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that whatever that is impacted Abram, Mishka, and Kashmir, and the oh, whole yeah. thing. So, so Kashmir is is going out into space, right? Right. Eric's out in space right now, you know? Psylords yeah. come from space. Seems like a lot of things are going on in space all of a sudden. Now, is, is, is uh, Eric, is that in the current timeline? I, I don't think they've given us anything to be sure one way or the other. Uh, I think that I've seen people say that some of the stuff that they mentioned in the first issue refers to things in, in the current timeline. So you would think it was, um, but I'm not 100 percent sure yet. I don't think they've done anything that like cements where it's at. Yeah. So it could be that it goes on a little bit, and we find out that it's you know. Uh, one theory was that it actually took place in the past on Eric's journey back to Earth, but then I, I guess hmm. some of the things they say kind of breaks that theory up. Right. Um, I read so there's, it there's, with the assumption that it's in the future. It seemed a little bit too abrupt for it to happen right after. Uh, the last EXO run ended for him now all of a sudden to be in another planet. So I just assumed it was, you know, set in the future. Well, Warren, yeah, Warren there said, has to be some kind of a change in time. But I, I mean, the way Valiant is set up right now, it's not like he could just, if they're going to tie it into anything else, it can't just take place at some like nondescript point in the future else it, it won't be able to connect with anything because everything is either right here right now or 4001 right now. Right. So can't really be <laughs> right. in the middle if it's going to do anything else. I mean, I guess it kind of depends on what they want to do with it. Yeah. I think uh, I think with uh, I listened to OTV today, the their their After Dark episode when they sat down at WonderCon, I think, and uh, spoke with Warren and and, and uh, the whole crew and Dinesh, and they said, I think after this year or sometime in this year, it will fill in the gap. So there's a they, they basically admitted there was a gap from issue fifty to now, and then when they finish telling this, the current EXO story, it will fill in the gap. Yeah, from how it went from issue fifty to where he fell out with 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 the armor. So I, I don't think it's I don't think it's current from based based off of what they said on that on OTV. I'm just glad they consider that because Marvel. The Marvel stuff I read, it feels like they just throw the timeline around with reckless abandon. There's but also no consideration into you know timelines and who's doing what when. I also wouldn't think that it would be in the past, like what Paul was saying on his way back, sort of before the events of the first run of XO. Didn't, that didn't seem to fit. No. Yeah, yeah, I didn't think Partly so because either. His... I forget whose theory that was, but yeah, just I think it might, it might have been Martin's theory. Is it his theory, or he mentioned somebody else that I don't remember? Well, the reason I I say that is because if you think back at the beginning of the original EXO, you know, Eric was still, you know, very hot headed, rambunctious, extremely confident, almost arrogant. Yep. Eric at the beginning of this new EXO is he's cynical. He's yeah. tired. He's fed up with everything. I mean, he's like, he's just almost given up. So it just... Exactly. It... Myth busted. Yeah. You think he's humble? You think he's humble in a sense? Humbled. Humble. Yeah, humble. 
Uh, kind of, maybe. Not so much. I, think I mean, he is, but of his own, like, it's sort of like voluntary because he knows Shanhar is over there in the, you know, buried underground or wherever it was. And at any moment, he could put that back on and just take out people. But he goes through this whole. Uh, did we segue to EXO already? Apparently, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> we have. We're EXO in it. <laughs> He went through this whole issue without his armor, which I was I was surprised. And he, was, and, he and he was badass without the armor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you could have an Arctic title without. When we talked to uh, uh, to Dinesh and, and Warren, but one of the things I liked about the first issue uh, when I first read it, my very first impulse was this feels a lot like stories we've seen before like old man logan he doesn't right. want to fight so he like he keeps on refusing to fight while these people keep on hurting those around him that's why i liked it uh they it kind of it started like that he didn't want to fight but once they conscripted him he's like i'm not going to go and be forced in this army and not fight like he starts right. using his skill right away and i liked that oh, yeah I so love- what's up with the, what's, what's up with the tail with his his girlfriend and tail i <laughs> Did you hey, read man, that episode? Some tales. What's wrong with that? I just, you know, what kind of freaky stuff are they doing with tales in that world? I just <laughs> hey, don't man, know. He's, he's, he's got a stump. She's got a tail. They get creative. <laughs> uh, freaky deaky. She was like, what's, what's your deal, man? You t- she was, at some point, she was like, you mean women on Earth don't have tails? <laughs> she was like, well, what kind of skanks on Earth? So how do, they do, how, do they do, how do they do that then? He was like, well, they don't do that on on Earth. I'm like, what the heck are they doing? <laughs> That's why I'm here and not on Earth. Hey, some old next level freaky deaky stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Dwan, you're starting to remind me of Daryl without all the profanity. No, man. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm hard pressed to remember any podcast on any nerdy nerdy legion uh, podcast that didn't get derailed at some point. So. <laughs> Yeah, we try to make sure it happens. It's it's our staple. It's our calling card, you know. All right. Um, so did we did we hit everything we wanted to talk about with Divinity Three? Uh, no. I know I kind of missed part of it. I had to go tuck my son back in. I did you say no? I said no. Okay. Because I I wanted to at least mention uh, Escape from Golgat Golag. How do you say it? Gulag. Gulag. Yeah. I'm curious what you guys thought about this because it was this was a uh, very this was completely different from all the other one shots, in my opinion. Yeah, totally different. I mean this this was this was a very different kind of story. I mean, yeah, it didn't showcase any powers from Archer. No, you know. So I mean, his uh, his ability to access the Akashic Record, which so I mean, he he may still just be a latent psyot. Like he may, he may not be activated. It was it was very interesting. I think it showed a lot about his character. Aside yeah. from his powers, and it was heavy religion too, which is a little bit ballsy because a lot of people don't like that in comics. Yeah, no. and it's not something that Valiant's really gotten into. Right. Uh, you know, going back to VH1, if anybody has read uh, read the old Archer and Armstrong, it started out with more religious roots. Um, right, Juan, you're the one that said that you've read VH1 stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you know what I'm talking about then. So in v- in VH1, Archer and Armstrong starts out. With Archer is the son of of a preacher, right? And uh, his his parents are uh, child raping murderers, uh, like literally. They 
the the zero issue they basically like i don't know if kidnaps the right word but they lure this girl from the from the church to their home and they're going to rape her and kill her and archer finds out or maybe they did rape and kill her i don't know uh it may have actually been past that point the archer finds out they try to kill him they actually if i remember correctly it's been a little while since i've read it but they actually kill him but somehow he comes back to life and his whole life is about getting revenge on his parents, basically. That's why he goes and trains with the monks and develops all his skill. And uh, as far as like his higher-level skills, it's not like in uh, BEI he has the Akashic Record, so he can connect to, to all knowledge, basically. Um, he just has, has skill, basically. He has the, these, this really heightened skill. Um, and so he ends up coming back, he gets his revenge, and then it kind of goes on from there. So he has this really, you know, gritty, bad stuff in the real world driving force behind what launched him. But he also never got the chance to develop as a normal person. So, I mean, he was a kid right. when this stuff happened. And then he was uh, segregated from the world. So when he comes back in, he is naive to the ways of the world. But it's very different than in BEI where Archer's very naive and they kind of play it more to a comical slant. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, in VEI, he, he doesn't have that, like this driving hate that motivated him to begin with, even if he got past it, he right. does, you know, when he realizes his parents were his, you know, quote parents, you know, lied to him. Um, he does have anger with it, but it's, mm-hmm. it's not the same thing. So this kind of is adding in that it's, you know, a different reason that that real anger and hatred comes from. And even with him, like I in in the Gulag comic, it's uh, I don't think it's hatred. It's a but it's a more severe anger. It's not just like I was lied to my whole life. I'm pissed off, but it's kind of over now. So you know, his his dad was shot down right in front of him. The whole church was shot down. So I mean, he has a lot more of that pain behind everything, and he has a lot more real world. This is what the world is to him than in anything else that we've seen. Uh, so other, it made it all very interesting. The other interesting aspect was just how much of a totally wrecked character Armstrong was. <laughs> in the, right. I mean, he was just completely re- messed up. I mean, kind of a side that we've never seen. Right. At least I've not, you know, ever seen of him before. Well, he's always yeah. sort of uh, down and right and out, sort of, but just took it to a different level. Let's look at yeah, it. Yeah, I, I think look. we've seen this before from Armstrong. The difference is he's in a world. That facilitates him just being buried and forgotten. Right. Whereas in you know in, in uh, the the like the proper timeline, I guess you'd say every time he was down and out, society was normal. So he'd be like you know a drunkard on a stoop or something yeah. like that. But it, it you know he wasn't literally just tucked away from everything and forgotten. Where he could you know he was still in the world. You know. So th- that's I think that's the big difference is he's actually segregated away from the world in this. Well, look at it like this, guys. I mean, it, they're probably more similar than they're different. Um, to your point, Paul, uh, even in the, in the VHI series and the VEI series, Archer is lost. He has no family. He only has his his religion, and he bonds with 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 Armstrong. And Armstrong falls out with his brothers, right? And he lives in this world. And I think he masked his loneliness with drinking, uh, with trying to be sociable. But he 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 doesn't have this loneliness. He, I mean, he has this loneliness because he doesn't have a foundation. 
this foundation is, is broken. They're, both of their foundations are broken. And I think subconsciously, they don't recognize it, but it bonds them together. So when they are in a, when they interact with each other or first introduced to each other, they're they're just attracted to each other. Like I'm not leaving him. They're just brothers right. that doesn't have the same mother. They're just brothers because they come from sort of fundamentally similar backgrounds. Not the same backgrounds, but the fundamentals are there. And they'll never leave their side, even though they're that different. They're so different. So when when you have this story from Divinity, the Gulag story, I think it's showing we all know with Divinity, the fundamentals of of the of, of the universe haven't changed. It's just the curtains of the world have changed. So it's playing on their fundamentals. So Armstrong is saying, Archer, Archer needs me. And Archer's saying, my, my basic fundamentals in life are my religion. Find this religion. And Armstrong is like, I don't give a two craps about that. You know, I've been on Earth forever. But he's saying, my buddy needs me. And his loyalty and their loyalty to each other brought him to that point. And it was a dynamic story. If you, For me, when I read it like that, he was like, he's willing to go to the point where I assume that Armstrong was a religious type of person because he's lived through all these times, right? Yeah. Religion has nothing to do with him. He's seen, he's seen the good and bad about religion. But because his buddy, who stuck by him, who has a fractured foundation, just like he does, wants him to do this, he's going to, He's going to go to the point where he's so uncomfortable. I would say Armstrong would never set foot in a church ever, ever. Like he's just like whatever. I'd rather be in a bar. But he would. He's willing to go to to that length of uncomfortableness in his old old age to help his buddy out shows how much they're bonded together. And I think that's the similarity from the old Valiant to the new Valiant, that they kept that bond together. And you kind of have to explore it. Like, what bonds yeah. these guys together? If you look at it on the surface level, you're like, why would these guys be together? They have a mutual a mutual back, a, a mutual story, a broken broken background mm-hmm. that bonds them together. That's my, my opinion. Yeah, I like the... I like the uh... I like the twist ending of this where uh, Archer gives up his freedom in order to sort of uh, let Armstrong be the one that's that's released. Mm-hmm. It was sort of like this is something that there's nothing else that would have broke Armstrong out of like the funk he's in except for somebody to go to this extreme. And you sort of got the impression that this sort of get, put a whole new perspective on life for him that somebody would be willing to do this. Because he was down in the dumps. Oh, yeah. Armstrong was done. He was done. And, and he was saying, my my buddy, I can't let my buddy go out like that. I'd rather be in prison. Because they both know they could survive prison. But he knew Armstrong was in a mental funk. Yeah. Right? He was in the lowest of the low. And the drinking couldn't cover it. The, 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 the womanizing couldn't cover it. He was just in a bad place. He needed counseling. And he... Right. He saw his friend needed help, and he's like, I'm willing to sacrifice myself for my friend. And that's noble. I right. mean, how many people are going to do that for you or, or us? I mean. No, that's like the uh, that's that's like the savior story in like every major religion, right? right. But th- I think this was the kind of um, 
story I want out of Archer and Armstrong. Like I, I don't, I, the silly stuff. I, I just, I never could get into it. Uh, yeah, I loved the the first run of Archer and Armstrong. Uh, you know, it, it had its lighthearted stuff, mm-hmm. but it wasn't like I didn't think of it as a silly book. You know, um, it stayed rooted enough. You know, uh, the um, the Ray for Roberts run it was entertaining, but it was it was too too silly, and that wasn't what I wanted out of them. If anything, I wanted would like to see them go in more of a direction like this. And one of the theories that right. I had was that so with the end of uh divinity three the world gets returned to normal but they they tell you that it's not like you just snap it went back to normal and nothing was ever changed they had to change it back and they had to do some stuff to do that they had to erase some people's memories they had to you know they actually had to change things Mm -hmm. so that means that all of these people are changed from this experience some of them may never know it some of them may have a subconscious effect from it. Um, this gives uh, the possibility of tweaking characters for a reason at this mm-hmm. point. So, like, Archer was my example of, well, after this has happened, Archer could have a little different vibe to him. And this could be why. You know, he he has all these powers and stuff like this, but the the mentality... He's always been a very, you know, kind of rigidly you do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. But with this really kind of deep-seated um, <clears throat> aspect that drove him to make the ultimate sacrifice for Armstrong in Gulag, uh, that can really change his character. It can make him a lot more serious. And, you know, I, it, it'd be cool to see... Uh, I don't. I don't remember the name of the writer on this book. I know somebody that we don't exactly see often. Yeah, Elliot, was this? That's what I was cool noticing. This guy Elliot, an Archer book. Elliot Rahal. I don't. I'm not familiar with his name. I don't. It's his first VEI book, right? As far as I know, it is. Yeah, unless I'm missing something. Yeah, if he did anything else, it may have been like a little thing in one of the you know the the 25th issue kind of deals where they have like lots of little snippets. It's like yeah. I never realized that Alish Cott wrote something in. Uh, in one of the in that, that really terrible Shadow Man issue twelve, I think something like that, that had all of the little mini stories. Yeah, <clears> so like if he's, he's done anything, it's been small like that. Yeah, very. He's he wrote something for Dark Horse and Heavy Metal Publisher. Have you heard of them? Heavy Metal is a, it's a, actually a magazine. Um, oh it really? Used to be, yeah, it used to be uh, the the head editor or editor in chief was uh, Kevin Eastman. Now it is who is it? I want to say it's like Grant Morrison or somebody like that. It's like another big name person. Um, but it's, it, it collects a lot of different stuff. Like I think it used to lean a little more mm. towards the like sci-fi fantasy. Uh, the covers used to all be like heavy metal magazine. Rather. Yeah. Yeah. I, remember that. Um, I, didn't, I didn't make the connection. Yeah. So it, it, yeah. It, it basically has a, like a bunch of kind of like serial segments of comics in it. Uh, my friend JK Woodward did a, a comic that was collected in that, you know, bit by bit, month after month. Um, unfortunately, I didn't read it because that's an expensive magazine, and I really didn't care about anything else in it. So I'm right. waiting until they collect the comic elsewhere. But um, yeah, so anyways, that's what Heavy Metal Magazine is. So it's, it's sort of like an anthology that comes out monthly, I guess you'd say. Oh, he's the co-creator of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That's how you know this. I just looked that up. 
Well, I knew what heavy metal was before. Right. I knew that Kevin Eastman was involved in it. I didn't know much about it. Um, yeah, and then I found out he was involved. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then I saw some of the work he did besides Ninja Turtles. I'm like, man, Kevin Eastman has a little bit of a dirty edge to him. So uh, uh, to go on a little Divinity 3 tangent, what do you guys think about the Red Brigade? So you guys it's touched on the Red Brigade. Uh, yeah. What did you guys say about the we, Red Brigade? We were, uh, we were talking about the characters that it seems like they're going to continue <clears throat> from Stalinverse into the regular uh, universe. Red Brigade. Uh, what were some of the other ones? Oh, the Immortal Sufferer, the skeleton-looking dude. Yeah, also called Kosti, Deathless, I think. Kosti. Uh, Baba, Baba Yaga. Am I remembering wrong? I thought the Red Brigade was the collection of them. Right. It is. It, it is. is. Okay, okay. So I, your name is Cyberpress. I was making sure I wasn't remembering wrong. At the end of the issue, Divinity, he made it sound like he had sort of a, a, a conscious issue with, even though they didn't exist before Stalinverse, he had a problem destroying them at this point. He said they already exist. So he made it sound like yeah. they going to continue into the regular. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, you have uh, the uh, the one that's eternally dying and coming back. Uh, yeah, the skeleton looking guy. Yeah, yeah. So she she's wandering the ocean. Uh, that's that's pretty cool. Now, Baba Yaga is interesting Baba too because Baba Yaga is something that isn't that's not like valiant mythology. That's just mythology. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was very interesting that they just like pulled an element of real mythology into the valiant <laughs> universe here. Um, I've seen. I mean, the Baba Yaga was in uh, Hellboy. The Baba Yaga, I've seen in, like, Studio Ghibli uh, movies. I forget which one. Um, Howl's Moving Castle, I think it was. So, I mean, you know, Baba Yaga, you know, I, I thought that that was kind of interesting that they're, like, tying something from real mythology into the yeah. Valiant mythology. But it is, like, uh, Russian folklore, right? So it, yeah. it makes sense to have it here. Oh, yeah, totally. I, I love that they did that. I thought it, it added a... a strong element to it you know yeah huh. here's this new mythology but look like it goes it fits pretty well with this other mythology that's already there yeah well, the, the one point that that i made was um that the the normal the normal timeline of life is still there and jack made a good point in saying that uh abram is, is going to keep them around willingly right so they're they're not normally in their in their current form but Abram's willing to alter human perception and time to, to keep them around in their current form. Um, so he's he's they're on a tether to him. As soon as he says, you no longer be, they're gone. They're either dead in the grave or wherever they came from. You know, just just kind of like he did with his daughter and his wife when he brought them back because he missed them. And they were like, why are you bringing me back? I've moved on. We're dead. And his daughter's like, well, I'll speak to my dad, blah, 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 blah. That's the Red Brigade. They're only there because of him at this point, right? Because he didn't send them back to their natural state in the world. So it'll be interesting how long they stay around and, and what impact they have to the current timeline. Because whatever they do to their current timeline of, of nature or, or the earth, it, it's going to go back to his natural state at some point. Well, See, the the Red Brigade, it's not like they were a fabrication, but they wouldn't have come to be who they were necessarily if it wasn't for Kazmir, you know, taking over uh, Mishka and going back and altering the timeline. Um, but it's they weren't just fabricated, you know, made right. out of nothing. It's sort of like um, if the timeline happened this way, 
they would have naturally been born, right? And yeah. that's why they exist. In this yeah, world. they still would have existed as people. They just would have had different lives and probably wouldn't be around anymore at this point. Um, but like Baba Yaga, Baba Yaga existed before and will exist after. Baba Yaga is beyond this event like baba yaga knew that baba yaga was one of the ones that knew that this uh stalin verse wasn't real and saw the end coming to it um some of the other ones uh i'll have to uh read the issue again but um one of them said like she never would have came to be a leader for her people like she was if it wasn't for stalin verse because she never would have been in that position in the first place so it, all their lives would have been different, but because of Stalinverse changing everything, like I said, they didn't just snap their fingers and undo what happened. They had to change everything back to what it was supposed to be if Mishka slash Kashmir hadn't gone back in time and changed everything. Right. But at some point, they're going to have to go back to their natural state, whether they're... Susie Homemaker or the leader of their village because of what Mishka and Kazmir did that made them superpowers. Yeah, I say, are they? Do they is it necessary yeah. for them to go back? They, there's nothing that indicates that they're gonna revert back to normal. I mean, <laughs> if everything was gonna revert back to normal, why would uh why would Divinity and Mishka had to have to go around and wipe people's minds and change things? If it was gonna go back to normal, it would just go back to normal. But well, that's what Jack was saying. Jack was saying that Abram said with the Red Brigade, he made a conscious decision to keep them in this alternative yeah. state. I got it open right now. He says, some elements I would not reverse. I could not take the lives of the innocent. He says that right before he goes, starts talking about the Pioneer, the Immortal Sufferer, Red Legend, and Baba Yaga. Which is why so I, be- I left that thinking, okay, he's making a conscious decision that he's not going to revert, that they didn't exist before, but he's, he's going to let them continue to exist yes. post-Stalinverse. They've essentially crossed over from one reality to the other. Right. You know? Yeah, he's Which letting is, them live their, their altered reality. So no matter what they, in my mind, that means no matter what they do to impact the current situation in the Valiant Universe, at some point it all gets reversed. But at the end of Divinity 2, they kind of led on that there can be micro changes to reality, to, to right. what the way the world is based off of altering it the way that, you know, the, the three divinities are, are have altered things. So it, it's interesting to see how it, maybe it's tied to how long the Red Brigade is, is that Abram allows the Red Brigade to be established in this current timeline, every, after everything's been set back to normal, will they make these micro changes that will, in fact, change the way normal reality is? You know, I, I, that, that, this, that's a question I have. This reminds me of Secret Wars, <laughs> not the first one, but the the Hickman Secret, the recent Hick, Secret Wars, where he where all reality changes. Well, the universe comes to an end, but reality changes. Yet some people sort of remember more than others. Some are totally oblivious. And then at some point they have to change it all back. But can you... I don't know, but it's going to be curious. If Paul's speculation is correct, you know, that they are using this as a 
way of you know tweaking some characters and taking them in a different direction going forward. I'm it's and I'm just, I'm kind of stirring up trouble here. It's going to be curious to see how people react to it because um, oh, let's just looking at it truthfully. You know, we there's a certain section of the Valiant fandom that doesn't react very well to change. Shall we say? <laughs> you think? Yeah. So you don't I'm want to name, no no names. I'm not right? going to put out any names. <laughs> I mean, I hope it's I hope it is like that. I'd like to see them. You know, use this as a way of metamorphosis prizing characters in a different direction but it'll also be curious to see how some people react because you know you start yeah. changing the fundamental nature of characters and some people get very <clears throat> been out of shape about it <laughs> i'm ready to go into exo let's do it what do you have i guess we're on our own so did, did y'all enjoy this yeah. how did you how did, did you how did you enjoy exo number one compared to like Stalinverse? They're both by Matt Kent, but they're very different stories. You know, I, Jack, I, I look at it from a Valiant reader and, you know, the, from the collecting Valiant perspective. You know, the, the, the 1 in 500 was huge for us. So that, that brought, it drummed up a whole new excitement for us trying to collect all the covers <laughs> and trying to right. collect the 1 in 500 and trying to speculate how many issues were out there. So in that aspect, for me as a Valiant reader, and a, and a valiant collector, it was exciting. Yeah. Um, so Divinity Three uh, didn't did not have the same excitement, only from a promotional side and a collector side. Now, if, if I was to take a step back and look at it, EXO is like the big fish in the pond, right? And I was super excited to read the book, and I love yeah. it. I love the way and they heavily the artists- they heavily promoted this. Successfully, successfully. If you if you listen to one the the the, v, the OTV episode, they successfully promoted this. Right. This hey, at South Carolina Comic Con, the entire con staff had on not like Marvel or DC or whoever stuff. They had on Exo Man of War 2017 shirts. Every hey. single person that worked there hey. had on a <laughs> Exo hey. shirt. And they did it. And they did it from Comic Pro. They they did it from Comic Pro, from the shot glasses to the ring. Right. And even though they I mean, were cheesy gifts, it, they, they promoted the the SHIT out of it. Right. So at least in my time as a Valiant fan, which has not been that long, we're talking about under three years, I've not seen him promote anything like right. this. Not even Faith. I mean, the biggest hmm. push they had on for Faith. I don't. It, it didn't approach this. Yeah. It was funny because at the uh, the Valiant panel, Robert Venditti was there. And he's always at the South Carolina and the North Carolina cons. Um, but it, it was sort of like a unspoken joke that kept being made that okay, we end your run and now we promote the hell out of the run that you're <laughs> not doing anymore. <laughs> they kept Ooh. like making that implica- implication, but backtracking and sort of praising Robert Venditti for what he did on the first run. I really enjoyed it. I mean, I've been looking forward to it. You know, the new EXO run. I love uh, it. And I thought it was well, very well written and, and a good story. Yeah. And what you pointed out earlier, I liked the fact that the whole story, you know, he didn't once have to depend on Shanhara. Yeah. You know, this is all him, just his 
you know, brute Visigoth mm-hmm. force. And you know, yeah, which was, that was unexpected for me. I've never, I have, I've never read Arik to this extent uh, without Shanhar. I mean, I guess in the first EXO run at the beginning, right? But that, but that was first. like his origin story. So yeah, of course that would happen. I never would have imagined this sort of context. I mean, he's sort of like he's sort of like shuns Shanhar, right? He's like, I don't want you. This is like my life is the way it is now because of. Of that, and I, he wanted to keep it buried yeah. up. And I think that's kind of what I was, you know, point I was making earlier is like he's. This is an Eric that's fed up. You know, he's done all this stuff. He's had, you know, fought all this things to the the fifty issues of the first run. And he's just tired. He's tired of this, and he doesn't want any more of it. Right. But but Jay but Jay I, I I'd say this. Um, isn't that why she chose him? Isn't, isn't that why Shinhar chose him? Because he was his own man. He wasn't um, a vine that was politically manipulated or posted up to be the next warrior. She chose him because he was an independent warrior. And there, there, there's a there's good and there's bad that comes with that, right? You know, he's his own man. He's right. a, a Biscoff warrior. I'm going to be who I am. You know, and though the the armor enhanced him and, and we see an XO fifty super enhanced him with the knowledge of the universe, but at the core he's still Arc. Yeah. Now is that a testimony to like Shanahara's uniqueness? Because all the other armors it seems like it's the opposite. Like they control their their host to like a, a fault. They have total control over them. But but Arik and Shanhara, their relationship has been sort of the opposite. Yeah. So what's the back history with her? Like, yeah. what, what is her history? There's the story it, for you. There's a there, next I don't know. There's a, and that also reminds me, this is going back, I think, to Armor Hunters, where they discovered that actually there was something about the effect of Shanhara on Eric physically, that it was slowly killing him, or every time he used it to repair himself, Yeah. that it was slowly draining life force out of him and that if he keep, continued to use it he would eventually you know it'd be his undoing right and he chose to do it anyway yeah and i don't i don't i can't remember the specifics of it but i know there was something to that effect i think it was in armor hunters where they discover it i don't know i'm looking forward to the run uh, uh, no this is this is pro- i'm trying to think of other valiant titles recent valiant titles that i enjoyed more than this i can't think i mean i remember when like a uh, lemire started writing writing bloodshot I was like blown away. That was sort of like a, 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 a monumental, I guess, flagship, I guess, point for me in my Valiant reading history. Right. But since that, I can't remember any other issue that's really uh, had that sort of impression on me like this has. Like, I think this has potential to be really, really good if, if, if Matt Kent keeps this up. I agree. I think it's, you know, it's setting up. I think, aren't they planning on four or three, four issue arcs right now with possibility of continuing? I might be talking completely out of my ass on that. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm just glad they have it ongoing. Right. Every, everything else, uh, the, what's the new Immortal Brothers book is, is four issues and then Rapture, which looks awesome i'm really excited about that too but that's another 
four issue story and right. um these divinity books were all four issues so that seems to be the trend for valiant right now I, i'm 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 personally someone who likes ongoings i like being able to have, see a story mature over time but even yeah. with the ongoings it seems in a lot of ways they're becoming arcs like take ninjack you know there's a four story arc you know the battle of king's castle right and it goes four and then you know now the seven blades of master dark and it's going to be it's almost like they're it's an ongoing but they're still kind of encapsulating stories in these you know arcs that are somewhat self-contained yeah well when i mean we're we're on a tangent now but like master this new arc is about taking down master dark which right. he was he's been in the tree since book of death do you think when Matt Kent started writing Ninjak. He even knew about the Book of Death story. Oh, I don't know. I would. Ass- I mean, I don't know. I have no idea. But I would assume he didn't. And that's what I like about ongoings. Like this has gone into a direction that I, I'm. I think probably Matt Kent probably didn't even expect when he first started writing this. I mean, you don't have 25 issues planned out, right? When you s- first start writing something. I don't. I mean, some writers maybe. I, and again, I'm totally speculating. Yeah. Kent doesn't seem like that type. That, uh, he did. Out. He did tell me, however, at, at the NC Comic Con, that he had the next like year of Rye planned out if they choose to do that. So he does think in advance, but still, he doesn't know. I mean, things can change, right? But as far as how what he knew about the rest of the Valiant universe, I don't couldn't say. Yeah, yeah, you don't know what Dinesh and everybody else is planning until you get to the drawing board. Ah, cool, man. I don't. I mean, everybody else is off, man. I think we. I was gonna to have to like edit in a outro. Yeah, because I'm really out of anything to say now. I mean, I think we've discussed everything I had to talk about, and then some. So yeah, I think we're done. Awesome. You want to just wrap it up, Paul? <laughs> yeah, we need to wrap it up. Anyway, it's getting late, and I got to get up early again. So thank you guys for joining me on this uh, this party cast episode of the Valiant Central podcast. Uh, Dwan, it was great talking to you. I'm sure glad you're still here to hear me say that. Uh, Jay, great as always. I look forward to our next episode of CBW, You and Me Together, is going to be Punk Rock Jesus, which I just got from the library today so I can read it. I know we talked about Essex County first, but, you know, the book's got to go back to the library. So we'll do that one next. Uh, and Jack, it's nice to finally talk to you and not yep. just have to talk about how terrible our basketball teams are on, uh, on Slack. Yep. And the okay. next one, the next one will be the, on the hip hop podcast. Heck yeah. yeah we got to get <laughs> that going. Uh, so Dewan is also on the collecting valiant podcast. Um, I'm trying to look up. Yeah, there we go. Their, their Twitter handle is at collect valiant. Uh, so you should check out their podcast. He does that with uh, Justin Ehart and uh, and James Carlson. Uh, so check out their podcast. Tweet him at Collect Valiant. Uh, Jay has a fancy schmancy new Twitter handle. What's your new Twitter handle, Jay? It's at Jay Forgets. That's <laughs> awesome. Uh, Jack, what's your Twitter <laughs> handle? It's 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 J A C K S U T H E R L. It's my name without the last three letters. Very clever. I like it. Uh, I am on Twitter at Who's Paul. Uh, we are on Twitter at Valiant underscore Central. Uh, you should tweet Martin on Twitter at Geekvine and tell him how great this was. Uh, you can also email us at hello at nerdylegion.com. Uh, you should also check out Comics in Black and White, and you could tweet us at CBW Podcast. 
Uh, and until next time, uh, I don't know. Martin is always the one with the terrible uh, outro things to say. Your Kevin Smith I think- Zinger podcast. All right. So that should be good. I will let you guys go. Thanks for joining me. Yep. Get some rest. All right. Talk to you guys yeah. later. Yep. Okay. Good night, Bye. gentlemen. Ah. <laughs>